the culturally illiterate, a podcast where four friends overthink comic book movies. Jason is not going to be happy with my fun fact today, but I wanted to let you all know that when Jason was a baby and was getting a bath, uh, they would sit on the tub's drain to keep the tub from draining. And because of this, my nickname for Jason in early childhood and I, I guess for him, infancy was plug butt. With me are my friends and fellow co-hosts, hosts, including said Plugbutt. I'm Plugbutt, and um, <laughs> no, my name, my name's Jason. Um, in case you forgot, uh, but my name's Jason, and I have a Dr Pepper beanie, which is pretty cool. You also have a SpongeBob shirt. Oh, I do have a SpongeBob shirt, and I'm wearing it, and it is says that- hip. It says hip square since 99 on it. Is that one that you got or is that the... Uh, never mind. <sighs> never mind, actually. I don't want to know the answer to that question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Alright. I guess it's my turn. I'm Matt. And that's it. <laughs> he has no fun facts today. It's every episode, this this guy. His his fun fact is that he slowly, he's slowly dying in the abyss we call life. Uh, Aren't we all? I am Sean. My fun fact is that uh, I voted do that, do do that thing if you live in the United States of America. <laughs> or anywhere else you that has election. open elections. Anywhere that has an election. Democracy. <laughs> yeah. Not just, there are other places. No, though. no. If other other places can, can go die, with only America we vote. Everywhere else is, is, yeah. is garbage. That as a, uh, Bunch of commies. Yeah. Yeah. Justin Trudeau took force of Canada like a motherfucker. He just rode Whoa. in on a horse and took over in that bitch. He wasn't voted in. Anywho, what was everyone's week? What, I what was about that. Oh my god, I was gonna ask that too because I wanted to check in on my co-hosts because I love you all. Oh, that's nice. I just felt like it sounded nicer than being like Rex stories. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, I had a pretty good week. Uh, I I've been in a really good mood today for some reason. Don't really know why, but yeah, I'm I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I know. As a Godzilla fan, I'm eating good this month. <laughs> uh they're releasing so many things it's glorious yeah the poster that you sent in the group chat that was the only thing that i like actually gave a good look at about the godzilla things um not because i didn't care just because i didn't care um (laughs) (laughs) no but the poster looked sick is what i was getting at (laughs) i think it was okay I think Matt's being a bummer, and also for reference, the month we're referring to is November, because this won't be releasing in November. I guess that's fair. Okay. Take me back to November. Is that a reference? You tell me. It is. Why I would I tell a... you I asked? <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's a song. It's a Tyler song. I was in a good mood until I had to deal with New Jersey government. <laughs> New Jersey fucking sucks. <laughs> they live... In the fucking Stone Age. They don't know how to design a website for the fucking life of them. I hope their government burns down to the ground so that the people can rebuild it. Because what they have over there is not sufficient. In fact, go vote and vote out every single person, every single representative on the New Jersey government right now. 
because they are clearly not doing a good enough job. Yeah, fuck how fuck elections work and all that. Just vote all of them out today. Okay, wait, I, I mean, I'm all bored pretty much at any given time for shitting on New Jersey, but can I inquire what brought this on, Matthew? Uh, so when you work in HR and payroll, you have to do unemployment as process unemployment claims this is going to be really boring i I know that people are going to be clicking off at, at this point <laughs> we're talking about payroll and the podcast about the incredible hulk oh my god off to a great start anyway uh i have to process the claims through the government website and fun fact in the new jersey website if you pressed an enter key in the middle of doing weekly wage calculations it will erase your entire progress and i hit the enter button twice once on accident because i pressed enter on instinct when entering a uh, a wage and the next one was i pressed the enter key on the number pad and that erased my entire progress so three hours worth of work just went down the drain with one press of a button because wow. the New Jersey government, for some reason, when implementing this website, doesn't have a save option. And I'm going to tell you right now, multiple other state websites have save options. They save your progress. Brutal. New Jersey doesn't have a save option. Brutal. And so I, I watch hours of my life go down the drain with a single click. And I watched my will to live going down the drain with it. And all I can say, and all that survived is my hatred of New Jersey. So what I'm hearing and getting from the story is we need to take New Jersey and push it somewhere else. Into yeah, the I Atlantic. Would, I would, I would no, say New push Jersey. it into the Atlantic, but then the Atlantic already has bad enough pollution, and then I, I think putting New Jersey into the Atlantic will actually make the entire ocean toxic and kill any biological life left in the Atlantic. <laughs> is New Jersey the number one enemy of... Uh, the podcast? Uh, yes. I think, See, fuck I, I think New it's Jersey. gotta be, right? I, ha- I hate Se- to... In second place. In second place is, um, Florida. I hate to stand, uh, in defense of New Jersey. However... Ooh, this is a bad look know. for you. They produced some of the best bands of all time, so... I mean... Well, sometimes trauma makes good art, but it doesn't mean, you know... Yeah, but, like... Can New Jersey's we really good. live without some of those bands from New Jersey, man. I, I, I do, I do think it's Here, funny you know that what? you like bring up the bands from New Jersey when Jason, both of our parents. Well, no. Well, who let me explain. New Jersey. Let me explain. Was that I was about to cut in and say that the only good thing to come out of New Jersey was our family, and then that led me to think, oh, well, there's actually a lot of really good bands from New Jersey. So then, well, I my, my counter argument to, clear, to that: our parents were born in New Jersey, but Jason and I are not New Jersey, and we have no. never lived there and never will. Not once. I'm gonna counter argue against that and saying, you know how pearls are this, you know, sought after piece of jewelry. Well, uh, pearls are uh basically. Uh, an oyster's counterattack against parasites. So, in the middle 
of every single beautiful pearl is a parasite. And so it doesn't matter how beautiful every good thing from New Jersey looks on the outside. And then inside, there are still New Jersey in it at their core. And so they are a parasite on the United States of America. Jesus Christ. I wait, love pearls. Okay, wait. <laughs> pearls are nice. Can I can I do a wild transition off of that to something I wanted to wreck? Sure, yeah, fuck it. Yeah. I'm done. I'm done with my New Jersey rant. Right off the bat, I hope that like I'm spe- specifically I'm just gonna anybody who's listening, but specifically the three of you right now because you can actually go see this in theaters still at this point. Speaking of things that look just wonderful from the outside, but are really this awful, painful thing on the inside. And speaking of people who are eating this month, because Elvis haters are eating this fine month of November. Definitely go see Priscilla. Oh, I wanted the, uh, to see that. The Sofia Coppola biopic about Pris- Priscilla Presley, who was the, the you know, TLDR is that Elvis got with a 14-year-old when he was 24. And then they were subsequently in a relationship for 14 years, got married, had a child. And yeah, it is very eye-opening of the type of thing that is kind of just like known. Like it feels like the fact, a lot of people kind of like, know that elvis was with the 14 year old but also it's not talked about but it, it it's an absolutely fantastic movie that i saw last night and it's been like the last 24 hours it's been stuck in my head just thinking about it it's it's not always like the easiest watch so like if you're particular, you know just a heads up if you're particularly sensitive to uh relationships that are quite unhealthy being depicted on screen it you know it's sure is there but it's a really fucking great movie um and i definitely recommend seeing it if you get the chance if you have the chance to see it in the theater i doubt it'll still be playing by the time this episode releases but definitely do so or watch it however you can kaylee spaney i think her last name is spaney is the lead she's wonderful and my hot take is that jacob alerty is a better elvis than austin butler Though it's not his movie, it's Priscilla's movie. Yeah, it, it, it it's like weirdly haunting. Yeah. Well, I have a wreck as well. Uh, if, if you're done with wrecks, um, Jacob, uh, I engaged in some heterosexual Caucasian activity this week and listened to a five-hour podcast about Weezer. <laughs> um because it's off this podcast what is wrong with weezer it's not just the weezer it's the five i didn't okay it was over the course of the whole week that i listened to it is that better about weezer and let me explain okay so get so catch this it's a podcast called a band splain which i had heard of a couple times it's hosted by a woman named yazi salik uh and i had never listened to it but they had uh they basically they go into a cult followed band and do a deep dive talking about their history what makes them uh so closely followed and so adored by their fan base and why it is them that garnered that that following and i uh randomly stumbled upon an episode co-hosted by barry johnson of joyce manor about weezer and Two things about me are that I love Joyce Manor and I love Weezer. So, I've listened to it and it's very, very good, very in-depth, very insightful. I disagree with a lot of the opinions they both share, but I still think that they're worth listening to in, in the content and the 
information they share. It's very informative. And they also throw out it in between while they talk about each album will play full songs from the album. So it's kind of a bit like a radio radio experience as well. So it's cool. And I enjoyed it. So shout out to that. I want to say nice, but I don't know, man. Nice! Five hours. It, okay, Jake, it's <laughs> not as bad as it sounds. Because listen. I just, I, that may be the cringiest rec we've ever given. That's that's what I'm saying. Jacob, listen to me. First of all, it also contained one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty full Weezer songs on it. So in between sections you would hear a Weezer song and they'd talk about it. So a lot of that time was also the music. I can count to 22. I was counting them. 22 or 22? 22. As I was looking at it. You know what, Jake? Fuck you. Because I was (laughs) trying to share something that I really, really enjoyed. Something that caused me a lot of joy. And all you're doing is shitting on me for liking Weezer. (laughs) Good. That's not wholly accurate, but I'm glad you enjoyed, buddy. You're such a fuckhead. What are, what are we what are we doing here if we're not gonna try to try to you know destroy each other's hopes around, and dreams be 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 a couple of guys having a ball i learned so much information i have at least two balls well do you guys want to make a five-hour podcast about the incredible hole yes uh because i also have a a a wreck that is All related right. is it- uh I ha- is it a five-hour podcast it's a five-hour podcast no it's not uh i have two wrecks this time one of them is go watch on toho's youtube channel they released a godzilla versus megalon short that is gorgeous and also brings back godzilla doing a flying kick uh it's fantastic i love it so much um my only recommendation for going into that short is don't look into the original movie which the monster came out of no because megalodon uh (laughs) let's say his debut wasn't that great um and um my my second recommendation which i'd say is above all recommendations i've ever given before go watch the amazing bulk it is the greatest movie ever um no questions may be asked at this time uh go watch it it's it's worth every second of your life just think of the hulk but purple and better and really bad cgi no it's thanos's solo movie no it's objectively better that he's purple and it's objectively fantastic matt matt sean sean said no questions and i feel like you providing information is a form of a question in the greater sense it's because people need people need to be enticed I just enticed you don't you don't think you don't think Sean's word is enough you don't think over the course of the last 38 episodes Sean has developed a reputation as a connoisseur of fine art there was a small medium at large orchestrate you just listen I know what you're doing Jason you're not coy What is Jason doing? Um, He's listing things that Priya likes. She likes the word orchestrate and just says it randomly. She likes small, medium, at large, and she likes in the greater sense, which I said because it's become part of my vernacular, and now Jason is just arbitrarily throwing in the other thing. (laughs) Well, I started thinking about Priya. And you orchestrated this whole thing? Uh (laughs) Aha! Why are you thinking about my girlfriend? Um, Because she's lovely, and she's a friend of mine. Yeah, I would agree that she's lovely. Um, 
You know what else is lovely? Five hour podcast. And the the amazing bulk. Jake, you know what? Don't don't, don't look at the runtime on Spotify. This is five hour. Don't Kill question yourself. it. Just strap in. We Jake, we'll make it work. Jake sat us down and watched the fucking Snyder Cut Schneider Cut with us, but is making fun of me for listening to a podcast about a band I like that and I split it up into five days one Piece as as someone who hosts a podcast don't compare movies and podcasts two we did break up watching the snyder cut with the meal in between i'd like to point out okay i split it up with sleep and work in between not get you didn't split it up with having sex in between well no Adam. it was about weezer dumbass that's exactly i so listen to no weezer sex. i don't have sex <laughs> you know who else can't have sex the incredible hulk um that's actually that's actually true to true to this movie they established that um so yeah we're covering incredible hulk released june 13 2008 written by zach penn directed directed by louis leterrier and cinematography by peter menzies jr it stars edward norton as bruce banner slash the hulk Liv tyler as betty ross tim roth as emil blonsky slash the abomination not sam elliott as general thaddeus thunderbolt ross and tim blake nelson as dr samuel stearns i also want to shout out ty burrell who doesn't have a huge role but is in this movie as Leonard, a.k.a. Doc Samson, who, if you do not know, and I'm talking to my co-hosts as well, what that character typically looks like, like in the comics, Google it, because against all odds, my deepest hope is that Ty Burrell returns to the role one day with the accompanying accompanying uh, comic accurate look. What, what, lay the name on me again so I can Google it. Doc samson give it and let me let me know what you think when oh, you see it i saw oh. it you know it's, it's oh funny baby. enough oh funny enough oh, i actually I did that. look that up because i was wondering like what the fuck is this character and then what was the point of him like what was he going to be into and then i looked he is it up. hulk's therapist in the comics he, he's a licensed psychiatrist god i love that and yeah and so ty burrell Bulk up, get long green hair, wear the red shirt with the lightning bolt. Let's do it. That'd be hot. Slightly heavier note than Goofy Ty Burrell. We're also going to refer you to www.womenagainstabuse.org again, as we did last week, because one, you can never fight domestic abuse too much, and two, there's yet another cast member in this movie with several accusations against them involving domestic abuse and sexual assault uh it's an organization we talked about it before whose goal is to provide quality compassionate and non-judgmental services that foster self-respect and independence in people who are experiencing intimate partner violence and to lead the struggle to end domestic violence through advocacy and community education go to their website you could donate you can find out how to get involved how to learn more about fighting domestic violence it's a fantastic resource so just want to throw that out there again that that that's I, I i never know how to end those Fair. so did you guys know that this movie uh was uh, started out life uh intended as a sequel to 2003's hulk which we had many strong feelings about before being reworked into a reboot as part of the mcu yes yes i believe i did know that and it's i feel like it doesn't fully shy away from that though it isn't in any way directly a sequel i knew that yeah because i mean again if you if you listen to a hulk episode if not go listen to it woo we get we get pretty back and forth about those of us that feel po- more positively on ang lee's unique interpretation of the character and those who do not and i do think this will be a less controversial movie though i am going to start off before we get even into it my i think this is in the running for most slept on 
superhero movie of all time. And I don't say I'm not saying uh, underrated or overhated because I'm not saying it necessarily has like an awful rep. And I see bright spots in it. I'll, uh, you know, people who like Spider-Man three or Venom, or I'm a big, we'll get into this in the future. Amazing Spider-Man two fan. I feel like this movie has an okay rep, but people just kind of forget about its existence. And I think it kind of goes hard at parts. I, I, when I started after I had finished like watching this, uh, I did the bad thing of looking online. There is so much hate towards this movie. It's surprising. I think it's a solid movie. It's really weird to like, I know when this movie came out, it wasn't like considered the worst. It wasn't considered the best. It was like, this is okay. And looking back now to see it, like, it was just weird to look back and see so many people being like, I despise this movie. And I'm like, I, <laughs> it was solid, man. Yeah, I mean, I had no idea that this movie had that much hate around it because there's nothing much to hate about it because it's just a solid movie. I don't understand where the hate is coming from. Yeah, I mean, I this movie is like of the MCU movies, one of the ones I remembered the least about specifically going into this. Uh, though I had seen it, I think I had probably rewatched it less than some of the others, and it just stuck with me less because I was pretty young when it came out. Um, so yeah, I, I remember it being kind of bleh to me at least when i was like six or seven and watching it and remember it kind of being not a big deal as i remember even as a like child knowing that it wasn't as popular as like iron man was which to me was strange because like you know on paper hulk's a much much more popular character going into it i think the one of the things that leads to it kind of getting forgotten about is one the obvious of norton's only hulk in this one movie and then is replaced by ruffalo and all the subsequent appearances so i think a lot of people kind of like weirdly view this movie as non-canon which is dumb and not that canon should matter that much but anyway and then on like a more like genuine criticism note i know there is a lot of like one of the reasons Norton left is he had a very poor experience. He helped out on the screenplay. And I know like him, Zach Penn and Louis uh, Leterrier or whoever um, who directed the movie have bad experiences with basically the script that they went in with for shooting, not being fully followed in the edit. And they're being like, a, there's somewhere out there in the ether. There's an Ed Norton cut of the movie that he helped make that he was much that was apparently very different. And when that all fell through and the vision they had didn't come to fruition, Norton left Mar left working with Marvel, which is totally understandable in my opinion. And then also subsequently because of weird rights things and the Disney purchase of Marvel Studios and Marvel Entertainment not being able to make or ma really making the decision to not make another Hulk movie because of distribution rights, it's kind of been forgotten about more and i think that stuff has more to do with it than like quality which is again nothing like remarkable it's not some you know refreshing take on the genre but there's really nothing exceedingly bad about it either in my opinion i think it's a pretty good movie it's a, a pretty standard just solid movie I the only like. i feel like the only like legit critique you can have about this movie is that it's a bit shallow but well, yeah, it's, that's really it. But that's what and... I mean is like that's not even like you. I can't even understand hating it because like that's the biggest. Yeah, exactly. It. And it's like 
it's just a pretty harmless movie. Uh, I just don't understand having strong feelings. Yeah. I just don't understand having strong feelings about this movie in general because this movie is pretty inoffensive, all things considered, because it doesn't really have anything to say, and it is basically a love story. And so I don't really understand why people feel so emotionally strong about this movie. Although people nowadays feel like have like strong emotional either attachment or hatred towards a lot of things that aren't worth their time or energy. So, you know. I mean, that's a little my point, though. I don't I don't think anyone does have strong... I have unusually positive opinions about this, I would say. Whereas I think most people are like, oh, yeah, that movie that came, what was that, 2008? Well, it wasn't Ruffalo. Like, I feel like most people are very ambivalent. Yeah, but there was also... There is a decent bit of hate for it as well that i've seen one of the things that i do really like about it um is right away is the opening montage the movie opens with you see kind of the origin backstory of bruce bennett becoming the hulk which is also one of the ways jason talked about how it doesn't totally separate itself from 2003 that movie ended with hulk in on the run in south america which is kind of where this movie picks up but the origin itself is different we see in this version he's at colby university working with general ross and he being Dr. Bruce Banner, the colleague and boyfriend of Ross's daughter, Betty, regarding an experiment that Ross claims is supposed to make humans immune to gamma radiation. The experiment is part of a World War II era super soldier program that Ross hopes to recreate, and it fails. The ex- exposure to the gamma radiation causes Banner to transform into the Hulk for periods of time wherever his heart rate ra- raises over 200 beats per minute, typically when angry. The Hulk destroys the lab and surrounding area, killing several people inside and injuring the General and Betty and others outside. Banner becomes a fugitive from the U.S. military, and Ross wants to weaponize the Hulk. Banner goes on to the run in South America. And I think the use of opening montage like that needs to be done more in comic book movies because it really greatly reduces the amount of time you have to spend on the origin, which still conveys it in a understandable, succinct manner, which can do wonders for pacing, I think, on these things, especially on origins that don't necessarily need to be retold in full or told in full at all. And it also just, like, visually, I think, mirrors the paneling of a comic book in a really effective way. Yeah, I actually agree. I actually made a mental note of... Uh, similarly that i thought it moved through the introduction pretty well and used the uh you know that sequence well to to move through the origin without actually doing the origin again uh unnecessarily so yeah i'm glad you mentioned that because you said it better than i would have yeah i mean it's one of the things that i do definitely appreciate going into this movie especially having us all just like fairly recently watched the um 2003 hulk uh movie but like and i i do think it's a good idea especially for certain movies to incorporate things with like with like backstories that everybody kind of knows origins that people already have an idea of i feel like it works for those maybe not so much for like certain ones like say if you wanted to do that for like the eternals that'd be weird as hell um (laughs) uh (laughs) But, like, uh, I, I can see this really working and being, like, a really good strong suit to, like, fully realize a character without having to, like, spend a good chunk of your movie going through the origin uh, again or, in certain cases, going through an origin that it's, like, I, I already know what happens here. Like, uh, 
like something like Superman, where it's really easy to know the origin, but like if we maybe it, again it depends on the movie i would say but like you don't have to spend 30 minutes to an hour going through the beginning of this this character's arc versus just having them already be yeah like we don't need to see uh, martha wayne's pearls drop every time i want to see that every time <laughs> <laughs> well sean you're in for a treat <laughs> yeah you're in for a treat because we're gonna see it about a hundred times hell yeah <laughs> Not just the times in BVS. Anyway. Oh my God. <laughs> so the movie continues five years later with Banner in hiding and working at a bottle bottling factory in Ochina, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. While searching for a cure for his condition on the internet, he anonymously collaborates with a colleague known only as Mr. Blue and is learning yoga techniques to help control his anger and has not transformed in five months. Banner cuts his finger and a drop of blood falls into a bottle. He tries to clean it up but misses the part that lands in the bottle, which eventually is ingested by an elderly consumer in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, played by Stan Lee, giving him gamma sickness. I do like when they're able to work those cameos into the story a little bit. Um, Using the bottle to track down Banner, Ross sends a special Special Forces team led by Blonsky to capture him. Banner transforms into the Hulk and defeats Blonsky's team with Blonsky surviving. After Ross explains how Banner became the Hulk to Blonsky, Blonsky agrees to be injected with a small amount of a similar serum, which gives him enhanced speed, strength, agility, and healing powers, but also begins to just deform his skeleton and impair his judgment. So with all this, we see the first shots we really see of the Hulk in action. It's teased in the opening montage, but we do have this scene of him kind of shrouded in darkness fighting off Blonsky and the task force but you don't get a clear look there's a lot of kind of impressive work of like machinery getting thrown around in this factory but you don't get a great look at the Hulk I'm interested in what you guys thought of this like first sort of appearance for Hulk in the movie especially I know like Sean and Matt have like a good amount of exposure to to kaiju movies and i've talked to sean in depth about like the review you know slow reveals of godzilla how how you feel they you, they did in terms of kind of drip feeding you hulk's look and if that was necessary for a character that already had some degree of pop culture awareness this i would say is one of the parts that i actually really liked about the movie is that like the one thing that definitely helps is that the previous design was pretty ass, at least in like the way that it looked in Absolutely. Ang- in Angley's. Yeah, uh, it did not look good. Hulk. So what this kind of took advantage of is it hides what could be potentially bad and avoids the question until later, which I think when they actually show him off, he looks really good. Like it's one of those things that like I really didn't remember all that much but going back to this and seeing like the cgi while it's not the greatest at times in this movie they do a really good job of making hulk almost feel like a real thing because like you can see the muscles tense whenever he moves you can see his veins like pumping blood it's kind of creepy how they like focus so heavily on that with his like with the visuals of him it was like one of the things i noticed towards the end of the film was like being able to see his veins and see the blood pumping through it and the attention to detail is like surprisingly impressive so like to to hide it and then eventually show it i think was a good build up to showing what was in the end i feel a good design for hulk yeah i and i think ultimately it works because they don't necessarily like hide it for 
that long and and they don't entirely hide it like they show you bits and pieces and before you see the full hulk come through you know what i mean mm-hmm. so it's like it, it it worked to me it worked because they didn't they did it slowly but didn't waste time doing it slowly if that makes sense the thing is is that i'm really used to uh a lot of like the cgi monsters being hidden mostly due to the fact that the cg model looks total ass and so they just hide it for the sake of trying to engage you before they take you out of the film by seeing this CGI abomination. <laughs> In this case, it was done more stylistically. And I want to say the opening, the like the first scene with his reveal of his face was done very well. Because what was great about hiding him was that instead of just, I don't know, just being lazy and just making like a bunch of CGI effects, he throws around, like, basically there's a lot of practical effects that are put in play. The things that he throws around, the things that you push, are actual practical effects. A perfect example was that there was this canister, large canister, that he pushes towards the soldiers, and you could tell it's complete, completely practical. And it was really cool. And there's an even cooler detail for when the soldier jumps out of the way. You see Hulk briefly pushing it from behind. And so it's just stuff like that. Like like small things, practical effects, and then the reveal of the actual model itself, which looked okay. Which basically made it an enjoyable scene. Nothing too memorable, but you know what? I'll take it. I'm I'm so used to garbage, so that <laughs> anything just just you know anything that's remotely passable. It's like if I will if you're fed dog shit for two yeah. months and then you get a terrible meal and you're like, wow, this is fantastic. Exactly. You guys think it's like, Matt has the lowest expectations out of all of us in general? Probably. I'm not going to deny that. That's very likely the I'm not, case. I'm not saying it's a bad thing either. I'm just saying. Matt tempers like, his expectations for every single thing he views. Yeah, I was yeah, going to so say, I'm do either you mean very like in I'm... life or in terms of the movies? Well, I, I meant for the podcast. Way, I feel yes. like for me... Uh, yes but for me like one of my goals is even in the most awful shit we watch i try to like find some shred of something that i liked in it just because like it's like any movie being made is kind of a miracle like the amount of collaboration that goes into it versus matt is like and again i don't mean this is any shade at you buddy is like almost sound you sound relieved when you don't hate something yeah yeah and i don't think you want to hate things i just think you have you keep expectations so low. I mean, it's because I, I have been disappointed so many times, especially as a <laughs> child, where I just never want to feel that kind of disappointment again. <laughs> I love that. Anyway, I love that. so uh, Banner returns to Culver University. He reunites with Betty, also a doctor scientist who's working there now she's in a long-time relationship with uh doctor long-term relationship with dr leonard sampson ty burrell should be in everything ever made he convinces betty he is a delight 
He convinces Betty to help him connect with Mr. Blue in order to find a cure. And at Colby University, Banner is then attacked uh, a second time by Ross and Blonsky's forces, who are tipped off by the suspicious Samson, causing Banner to again transform into the Hulk. The ensuing battle outside the university proves futile for Ross's forces, and they retreat. Though Blonsky, whose sanity is starting to really falter, attacks and mocks the Hulk. The Hulk severely in injures Blonsky, smacking him full force into a tree, and flees with Betty before Hulk flees with Betty, saving her from a crashing helicopter. The Hulk reverse back to Banner, and he and Betty go on the run. Banner contacts Mr. Blue, who urges them to meet to meet up in New York City. Mr. Blue is revealed to be the cellular biologist, Dr. Samuel Stearns, who tells Banner he has developed a possible antidote to Banner's condition. After a successful test, he warns Banner that the antidote may only reverse each transformation. Stearns reveals that he has synthesized Banner's blood samples many times over, which Banner sent from Brazil into a large supply in order to do proper research and to apply its limitless potential to medicine. However, Banner is fearful that Hulk's power could fall into military hands and wishes to destroy all of the blood supply when they are done. So, first of all, the fight at Culver, you guys already kind of talked about the first, like, full look at Hulk's face and who Hulk is as a brute force. I agree. I think it's great because... The visualization of him being in that tunnel when they shoot this gas at him and then he hulks out and you see him for the first time in broad daylight in the wide open compared to the like dark factory in Rio de Janeiro is is good. And I do think this is the best Hulk has looked on film to date, uh, b both obviously between this and 2003, but also looking forward. I like I like a Hulk with a little bit longer, straighter hair. I like kind of grungier hair. I think it fits the aesthetic of this kind of like guilt, sh shameful monster. I even wish it was longer. But in general, like I think the muscles look the best. I think the face looks the best. The hair looks the best that we've seen. And I think it's another good fight, the fight at Culver. I think you really see the sheer force of Hulk in the way he fucks up Blonsky and destroys all these machinery, but also still show him as vulnerable with the sonic cannons. And with his attachment to Betty and his desire to save her. Did you guys, how do you feel about the fight at Culver? It was good. It was solid. <laughs> it was solid. And you, you mentioning how you see his silhouette in the tunnel after they put the gas canisters in. It basically like flashed a memory. Uh, there was a scene, I don't remember when, but then there was someone who threw a grenade in the, what was it the tunnel scene? They basically threw a grenade somewhere and then when they exploded you saw like Hulk's silhouette I thought that was really cool I just don't remember where that scene was but I remember it being pretty cool but this uh, fight scene itself yeah I honestly agree with everything Jake said honestly the design is very very stylized I like it a lot I like how monstrous he looks he doesn't look like you know like how like I don't know. Maybe because the Hulk we have now is just so tame. I kind of want to go back to the days where the Hulk was this uncontrollable monster. And he looked and he looked and sounds menacing this film. Which I do enjoy a lot and something I do wish we have more of, especially today. Because it makes him feel more unique. And it really does complement the Bruce Banner character and makes him more of a tragic figure. Yeah, and it adds more of a dichotomy to, to everything, and it just adds more, just 
more uh, conflict within himself if he's just fully unbridled. Yeah, or at least yeah. closer to that. I mean, that's that's one of the things that I, I, I will say that I wish was more of in this film was that um, they did. I wish they did a better job showcasing and separating the relationship between Banner and Hulk as two separate beings in more of a Jekyll and Hyde way, which they really don't focus on this as much. And it's part of what makes the character, in essence, so tragic is the idea of Hulk coming into this world as essentially this thing that was created is just born into this world and every time that he comes out he's hated he's shot at he's aggressed uh everybody just wants him gone and the only other person he has a connection to uh is banner in the end uh and for banner to also then just want to get rid of him is even worse so i really would have liked to see the tragic relationship of that and see banner and hulk kind of work to have a relationship where they have to kind of come to some cohesive agreement in the end or to like both coexist and then to also learn that like hulk isn't something that should be feared or hated um and is his own person which we get to see more of like in later films but like it's just i feel like it is something that this movie kind of missed because it has so much else to cover um, and I would have really liked to see that kind of relationship built up here. Yeah, I think that there's, like, elements of it, but it. I feel like the movie just definitely didn't have enough time in that department, I guess. Well, then, here's some news for everyone. I have a wreck, <laughs> and that is the Avengers show. There was a short uh, Avengers show. I don't remember when it came out. Let me look it up real quick. But it was Christopher this, Ghost one. Uh, it might have been. I think you. Earth's Mightiest Heroes. I I think you mean was, the Amazing Bulk, Matt. That's not a show. It could be if you got you. But it is the subject of our next five-hour podcast. Oh, you're right. <laughs> it it was Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, where you do get a glimpse of the tragic character of Hulk, because what you mentioned, Sean, about Hulk, basically every time he comes out, he is hated. And in this show, he is shown to be more intelligent than just being a mindless monster and him hating everyone and having a lot, a lot of reluctance to help people because every time he comes out, as you said, he just gets shot at and everyone just wants him to go away. And you do get that, uh, you do get that scenario in the adventure show. And although brief, you do get interactions between uh, Bruce Banner and and the Hulk, and just see how conflicted they are personality-wise. So yeah, there's a wreck. Avengers, Earth's Mindest Heroes, tragically short. Okay, well, speaking of those relationships, because I agree, we don't get enough of the interplay between Hulk and Bruce as two different beings. What? How do you guys feel about the relationships between the characters in the movie that do get somewhat established? You obviously have Betty and Bruce, Betty and Doc Samson, Bruce and Doc Samson, who don't really have face-to-face interaction, but obviously have a little very brief love triangle with Betty, and then all of those relationships with General Ross, because I think in the end they all kind of really connect to, to Thunderbolt Ross. Yeah, I think, like, I love Ross's relationship with everyone. Uh, even him and, like, the moment that he talks to Doc Samson, I really love. I, I think that was, like, 
even having him tell him off and say and Ross being like, where does she get these men? Uh, was a little bit funny since everybody seems to just in general hate Ross. <laughs> um, if there's one thing I didn't like, I don't really get behind Betty and Bruce, if only because <laughs> like the one thing I really didn't like. I guess with Betty's character is that like she's in a long-term relationship with Samson and immediately almost like immediately leaves him for Bruce and then they like proceed to attempt to have sex. I uh, attempt just, to have sex. It's just strange. It it just to me feels so weird that you would be in a long-term relationship with someone else and then immediately go back to this person who like left everything behind because he was dealing with a genuine issue but like you still haven't seen this guy for a while you were in a relationship with him but like you've presumably moved on to some degree um i also and this is this is this is uh, i don't know if this is hot take or not i do not like live tyler as betty i think she can i think she could do good here like i think she could do good but in this movie i she I, the acting wasn't hitting it for me at all. Wow, I love. I thought she was fantastic. Like I couldn't. I mean, teach their own. I couldn't really disagree more. I thought. I thought she was a really good Betty, and I thought like the scene where they she runs the Bruce in the rain was romantic as hell. Like, and because of like that, told me everything I needed to know about that relationship. That Bruce is the love of her life. And it's not that she doesn't love Samson, but she just kind of thought she was never going to see Bruce again. And then the love of your life comes back out of nowhere. Like, of course, she also, I think, ends up on the run with Bruce. Like, by the time she almost hooks up with Bruce, but then he can't have sex because heart, his heart rate will turn into the Hulk and he'll kill her. Yeah. He, he's, they're on the run. It's... He, he had, he'd been the few. I, I, I get what you're saying, but for me, like, it makes. I didn't really have an issue with it. I and I really liked the way it ends up humanizing Samson and him being like, "Look, I don't." He kind of tells off Ross after all this and is like, "Look, I don't care. I care about Betty as a person, and if she's with me or she's with Bruce, she needs to be away from you." Yeah, which that that part I really do like. Um, it, it's just I feel like in some ways it could have been expounded upon more their relationship a little bit uh in my opinion uh the rain scene to me while there are parts of it that i like i also do find it very cliche <laughs> because it's like most other other romance elements or just romance movies in general which is fine it's it's a cliche for a reason because it works but I, it's just not something that i'm like oh yeah uh that being said i still think Liv tyler needs more as as betty and thankfully future wise we will be seeing more of her as betty it's just a matter of in this movie i there i i just kind of get like i i don't get the right i i it's it's more that like i just don't get enough of her i guess maybe that's it more than anything else but also i just didn't her her acting in the movie didn't click with me it felt very breathy and like not there all the time um but again that that's more subjective than anything else in terms of opinions but like uh i want to see more of her as betty it's just that and then like like i said they kind of like you said they don't really like go over the time frame of her and bruce to me it feels so fast that she went from like i'm dating samson to goodbye samson to i'm having sex with bruce or attempting to and it just 
goes through those steps so fast in my opinion that it's like i really would have needed like an extended period of time or at the very least i feel like would have made it hurt less as if samson were just her friend or something and then bruce showed up it just to me feels like a little weird uh, I get why she did it, like, why she would drop him immediately and go for Bruce, but it's just, like, I, it, it just hits no no right balance with me the way that it is. Yeah, I don't know. I was pretty neutral on it. I didn't really have strong feelings one way or the other. Same. Does anyone, does anyone have strong feelings on the villains or antagonists in this movie? Because I actually think... I was thinking to myself, and I know we talked about this in the Iron Man episode as well, I think Phase 1 gets a bad rap on villains as I think about it. We'll see how I feel when we get to the other ones, but with the exception of one movie that I won't name yet, just to tease to the future, I think most of the Phase 1 villains are good, especially, not fantastic, but they're good, especially compared to some other contemporaries like Doctor Doom and Galactus, the Dark Phoenix... You think about those movies, Blackheart, that are Marvel movies, not Marvel Studios, but Marvel movies that came out in the, you know, same same time period, general time frame, so much worse. I think Tim Roth is, like, really interesting to watch as Blonsky and his, like, quest for, like, capturing what he saw in Brazil and that, like, just, just like, needing more power. And then as well as I think Ross is one of the strengths of the movie as well. I don't know if you'd call him a villain because obviously like I do think he genuinely cares about Betty and sees Hulk as a danger to the number one thing is he sees Hulk as a danger to his daughter. And while I think we'd probably all agree that he's wrong in just about everything he does, it's not like he's un under ununderstandable or evil. And then like jumping ahead, but ultimately he does do the right thing by Bruce at the end of the film. But I think, like, both of those as antagonistic forces are really strong. And then even Dr. Stearns, who Tim Blake Nelson also should be in everything ever, is just kind of there as a tease, is also, like, the couple of scenes he has are pretty good. He's he's a good Stearns. He's a good... I'm sure he will be a good leader when he gets to finally fulfill that end of the role. Oh, he's coming back? It, there's there's yes. a lot of people coming back, Matt. Um... Holy I I shit. did forget to uh, add that I really love Blon uh, uh, Blonsky. Just one, the fight scene where he attempts to go toe to toe with Hulk on his own without like with just the kind of eh super soldier serum that he has in him was fantastic. And also him getting kicked into the tree was also fantastic. That that was my favorite. <laughs> Watching him get so mangled was. That's one of the things that I find like one of the more violent scenes I always remembered from the uh, MCU was him getting kicked into a tree by Hulk. Yeah, that that was fantastic. And I that actor pisses me off. So Ross? You don't like Tim Roth? Are you saying Ross with a lisp? No, Ross. His last name is Ross. R-O-T-H. Tim Roth. You're saying Ross with a lisp. What? Is that supposed to be funny? Roth. Anyway. Yeah, no, I don't... I don't... He his face annoys me. Dude, he has the <laughs> hardest line in the whole movie when Ross comes to him and asks him how he's feeling, and he says, "I'm," and he says, "Like a monster, like just stone cold." Like they need to play that as a hype up clip at sporting events. It goes so hard. I I want to go back to what Jake was saying about the villains and antagonists of this movie. I do agree that uh, Ross is a very good character, mostly because he is not 
one-dimensional. He is very much feels like, you know, he he doesn't he doesn't feel like just a, like a normal Sunday villain. He has depth. He has emotions. He actually has things that he cares about that are that's not you know greed or money or power. And then Tim Roth is like the antithesis of this, but in like a good way because. You get to see this disciplined soldier just slowly descend into madness as he wants more and more power. I think that was pretty pretty good and well done in this movie. And it has a good payoff because he turns into Abomination. And the Abomination design is, like this movie, solid. Good. Like Agreed. around that. Range. I think people don't like it just because it's not the comic one. I think I it don't makes it look why creepy. everything has to be comment accurate. I don't. I think it's a. Well, he he is creepy. Tim Roth does have that creepy face, and so I feel like it does capture it pretty well. And then again, the movie I think kind of emphasizes how these uh how these. I don't want to say creatures. I don't know how the Hulk and Abomination are basically monsters, and I don't. I I do like how they emphasize that through their designs by making them look human, but then just not human enough. If you know what I'm saying, like they have exaggerated he's features. He's so contorted. Yeah, he's so contorted. He has bones coming out of his spine and his elbows. Like I really like that. Yeah, I, it's just good. I'm right it's just good design. Mad. It's just good design, in my opinion. One of the things I did like about uh, this is him not having the fins and also having that bony, like, look to him. It just comes off as just uncomfortable looking. The way his, like, neck is sunken into his, like, collarbone and then, like, he has this bald head. It just makes him look so creepy and I actually kind of like it. Love it. And I love that when they they go you'd become an abomination. It's so cape shit. It's so fucking good. Yeah. I don't know. I I just just don't like that guy. It's just good style. Jason, you have a lot of problems with people who just have done nothing to you or haven't really done anything for for you to warrant to not like them. Except for their face. no, every time I see him in something, I don't like him. Well, let's let's get to the Battle of Harlem, wrap up this plot, because I really want to talk about that, because that where is where the movie peaks for me. A recovered but increasingly unstable Blonsky joins Ross's forces for a third attempt to take Banner into custody. They succeed, and Betty and Br- Br- Banner are taken away in a helicopter. A lot of bees in this movie, I'm realizing. Blonsky stays behind and orders Stern to inject him with Banner's blood as he covets the Hulk's power. The experiment mutates Blonsky into the Abomination, a creature with a, with size and strength surpassing that of the Hulk. He attacks Stearns, who then gets some of Banner's, I see what you did, Sean, blood <laughs> in a cut on his forehead, causing him to begin mutating as well, teasing him becoming the leader. The Abomination rampages through Harlem, realizing that Hulk is the only one who can stop the Abomination. Banner convinces Ross to release him. He jumps from Ross's helicopter and transforms before hitting the ground, right as he hits the ground. After a battle through Harlem, the Hulk ultimately defeats Abomination with the support of the helicopter Ross is flying in um, by nearly strangling him to death with a chain, but ends up sparing his life upon hearing Betty's pleas and leaves the abomination for Ross and his forces to arrest. After having a peaceful moment with Betty, the Hulk flees New York. A month later, Banner is in Bella Coola, British Columbia, and is instead of suppressing his transformation, he begins to transform in a controlled manner with a slight smirk. Later, Tony Stark appears approaching Ross in a local bar and informs him that a team is being put together. So, 
the Battle of Harlem. I mean, I, I I have a lot to say on it. So, what do you guys think first? Uh, I, the one thing I will say that I really like is how viscerally violent both Hulk and uh, Abomination are, especially when Hulk is choking him out. I have always loved how violent they kind of made those scenes, especially when it's like remembering that this is the Hulk. He has to do some pretty... Things are going to be pretty, like, I want to feel the force of every hit that he makes. I want to feel the force of every, like, every action he has behind him. And it just does a really good job of, like, doing that. Yeah, I think if nothing else, uh, you know, if you're making a Hulk movie with, uh, you know, and making a Hulk, Hulk fight scene with against Abomination, you have to kind of not not pull any punches and get get pretty violent with it i mean they're two giant monsters fighting each other and throwing each other around so i think they did a pretty good job i agree with you sean that, that i think this fight scene uh lived up to the expectations set when you have two giant green monsters fighting each other yeah i can agree with that i do like how they fight just so recklessly and just there's like no thought in those throws and those thrown punches except violence i like that and not everything just well everything does need to be coordinated especially in the movie but they do a good job of hiding that coordination by making it seem like they're fighting so recklessly that it's just you know it's like the culmination of everything you want in like a monster movie you just want two giant monsters who just throw arms at each other and maybe kick once in a while and it's entertaining yeah i mean i think flat out hulk is built different in this one in a way that we haven't seen before since really in movies battle of harlem is a top five fight in the movies that we've covered so far i'm not saying it'll stay in the top five all podcasts but in the really? 38 films we've covered so far i think it's got to be top five and for my money bruce falling backwards out of the plane unsure if he's even going to turn into hulk and then subsequently beating abomination's ass is the biggest i'm him moment we've covered so far. oh god when he falls out of the plane i thought that was so funny that he doesn't turn he just goes oh shit and then he hits the oh, ground <laughs> yeah i like the self-censor right there and just he, before just he just goes... he, before the t seeps out of his lips he just smashes into the ground presumably dead the whole thing in the whole fight is just so fucking raw him like he'd get climbing out of the ground and ripping off like the remnants of banner's shirt i actually get chills i'm not joking during multiple moments of this fight like i could go back and watch just this segment from like the helicopter on as a short film almost because it almost tells a story i think in and of itself but like Hulk's first roar and then them charging at each other, the taxi boxing gloves are so fucking cool. And like Abomination stabbing Hulk in the chest with like his exposed elbow bone that's overgrown just for Hulk to like break it off while still inside of him to unpin himself. Pause. <laughs> I was. It's a good thing you said pause, brother, because I was about to resume. I'll tell you that. I might have even um, the, fast the, forwarded. The, 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 the follow up, it's still being inside him. The use of chains in the fight and like the concrete as a weapon 
It, it, it feels like there's personal stakes involved, and it also I'm inside of him. I that 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 killed my flow, my momentum. Oh my god! Yeah, it, it, uh, it it feels like there's personal stakes, but also like stakes for the world. I'm really soaking in that we're still in an era where we get to see civilians and like the impact this has on the the community and around because it's really fucking clear to me like the danger and destruction that is running rampant from the fight and ultimately like the best just the final like triumphant hulk smash when he gets up looking defeated for having having looked defeated to save betty and defeat abomination it's just so perfect hulk for me and i think like all four of us probably one of our biggest criticisms maybe the biggest of 2003's hulk even for me the lone person who was like weirdly more positive was the action was lame as hell and i think all three of these set pieces the the chase in rio the Culver University fight and the Battle of Harlem are all good and they all get increasingly better and increasing in stake. And it's just exactly what I feel like I was saying I wanted in the 2003 Hulk episode. The, the one thing that I also have to say that I really like about the Battle of Harlem too is that like there's a lot of people everywhere and multiple of them are definitely dead. <laughs> especially when you see like the abomination like flinging cars and throwing cops and punching them around and then like grabbing random people and tossing them and i think you see at one point somebody get crushed by a car there's like a lot of that which is what i i want to see out of these movies more is that there's a civilian impact too especially with like i know later on they do make mention of like the battle of harlem being pretty bad um and so, like, I do like seeing, like, how do these things kind of impact civilians? Because, like, from the lens of a, a superhero movie, you can't be a superhero without there being normal people around, too. So, like, it's always great to see that impact. I am surprised you think the Harlem fight is a top five fight, because I think the college campus fight is a better fight than the finale even though i do think the finale is a good fight scene as well it's just because i just was i guess it's a compliment to both fight scenes i love it how hulk utilizes the things around him to you know have an advantage in a fight like a perfect example was in the college campus fight he rips off like pieces of modern art which made it look less ugly and just use them as blade shields which was pretty cool and then I love, again, the aforementioned police car boxing glove. That was also pretty cool. And then, of course, the, you know, the chain, the chain mail choking thing. I don't know how to describe it, but that was pretty cool, too. I mean, I don't know. Off the top of my head, if I had to pick five, I think I'm going, obviously, I said Battle of Harlem. The probably Ox Spider-Man on the train in Spider-Man 2. Goblin Spider-Man at the end of Spider-Man 1. Zod Superman in Superman 2. Uh, I don't know. I, five probably, you know, I'd have to, I feel like I gotta throw something from Blade in there because yeah. of how good the action and the something like that, maybe. I mean, I, I just think, like, to this point so far, to be honest, I think a lot of the action in these movies has been okay at best and we've probably have more memorably bad things like i'm sorry to re-traumatize you all but the catwoman basketball action scene and the electra daredevil playground fight then we have like outstanding memorable set pieces Mm -hmm. so i guess it's a low bar but i just really like the harlem fight it's kind of ironic though that the one of the better fight scenes of 
we've seen from what we've seen in the 38 movies is the uh our let me rephrase that i'm, I'm my brain's deteriorating again basically what i'm trying to say is it's kind of ironic seeing how one of the better fight scenes of the movies that we've seen are two cgi things fighting against each other because i feel like eventually that's going to be a problem later down the line but we will talk about that later down the line when it becomes prominent and we get sick of it all right well before matt's brain deteriorates too far how do you guys feel about how the movie wraps up with i i i think it's a nice moment personally hulk sparing abomination on betty's behalf i think that's like a character moment for hulk as a character one of the few he gets as we said he's a little underserved on that end character wise and then but how do you feel about the movie ending with bruce still on the run how do you feel about him sparing a bomb abomination and how do you feel about the you know kind of setup of him having some control over this now i'm i'm kind of a fan about in terms of control and sparing abomination on the run i could take it or leave it it's kind of nor just run-of-the-mill hulk yeah i mean it's fine it's a fine ending it wraps up well it's all yeah it's fine it's a, it's a good movie and it's a solid ending yeah i think it's just solid for me honestly i i think the one part the two parts that i could take or leave is like you said that they're being on the run and then like him having control over it only because like i said previously i kind of wanted to see more of a relationship between him and hulk before they got to like he has some control but like it is what it is i think it still wraps up fine yeah i have nothing to add okay and then i'll just i feel feels worth mentioning obviously there's an avengers tease the little tony stark cameo do you guys have any memory of that being exciting back in you know when we were 10 or whatever in 2008 because, I mean, that is what, obviously, we, we talked about the end of Iron Man and what a surprise that was as a post credit scene. But this is, you know, the first example of person from one movie franchise appearing, albeit briefly, in another. I don't, but I don't remember it being quite as cool. Yeah, I, I remember it happening, but I just kind of remember it happening that's i don't remember it being as exciting at all yeah i think the one thing it did for me was while i thought it was like okay uh i i don't really remember it all that much other than it happening but i think it was the one moment where it kind of solidified for me that like something was actually happening because where like you have the the post-credit scene in iron man which either you I can't remember if at the time sitting through the movie and watching and like getting to that end credit scene because you have to watch through the entire credits to get to it. But like with this, it's like immediately before the credits. Um, so like this, I, I think after this, it was what solidified me on like, okay, something's actually forming here rather than like it just being a one-off like cool little tease that they had in uh, Iron Man. It made it feel like they're genuinely building to something because doing it twice is more noteworthy than doing it once and backtracking this is true fair yeah i guess that's true it was kind of like confirmation that like the ball was rolling there was a plan think... it wasn't just or somewhat you know the first time i seen this after credit scene was at like a random i was like in like a youtube rabbit hole of like marvel movies and then that came up and I, I don't remember ever seeing it. Turns out, after I watched The Incredible Hulk, I just turned it off right after it was over. 
and I had no idea there was an after credits scene. Which is crazy because this isn't even after credits. It it like cuts to black for like not yeah. even a second in this. Yeah, place. I turned it off. I was one of those people who didn't even bother looking at the credits, and I turned it off as There's soon not even as it's supposedly before the scene. <laughs> I know. I it's just as soon as after that, uh, <laughs> like after that smart ass <laughs> smirk from Eric Norton, I just turned it off. Did I you did call the same Eric Norton. Norton. <laughs> oh yes, uh, <laughs> not Eric Norton. Uh, you may be confusing with Eric Bana, who played him uh, in two thousand, the character in two thousand three. <laughs> uh, his name's slipping my mind now. I don't remember his name. Edward anyway. Norton. Ed. Oh, Norton. Edward Norton. Oh, okay. Anyway, uh, after his smirk, I just turned it off. I just, I did the same thing for uh, Iron Man after. Uh, after Tony Stark said, I am Iron Man, I turned it off. I had no idea there was an after credits scene. I think. I don't know. I don't remember. Well, all right. I'm not in the shape to remember things. Well, okay. Well, how do you guys feel overall in the movie? I'm pretty, like I said, like I don't think this is some wildly inventive movie, but I do think it's a good, like a consistently good time without any real lulls. Mm-hmm. The high point to me is the Battle of Harlem. It is really compelling action with like clear stakes and it feels like um, there's huge moments for Bruce, for Betty, for Ross, for everyone in this movie, for Hulk. The low point, I was going to say not enough Ty Burrell, not enough Doc Samson, but honestly, Sean kind of shook it loose for me that I think the biggest issue is that we never really see any interplay between Bruce and the Hulk. It's, it is really crazy that we've never gotten a scene in any of these movies. I know Matt said it was covered a little bit in Earth Mightiest Heroes, the cartoon, but of Bruce and Banner in like, you know, kind of an ethereal space and Banner's had talking because that is really crucial to to the character. That's also in the comics, you know, go support your local comic shop, read it there if you're interested in that. But overall, that's not too glaring of an issue for me. Though it is a huge missed opportunity, especially since this never really got a direct sequel and likely never will get a direct sequel. But I would love to see that at some point in the future. And overall, that issue does not do nearly enough to like break up what is just kind of a fun action romp with, to me, a compelling lead. Edward Norton's actually my favorite Bruce Banner. So I just definitely a recommend for myself. Uh, Yeah, I think it's an overall just good movie it's solid there's not much not much bad you can say about it not much not much that great but a lot of good in it so i would recommend it Uh, i'd say the best thing was probably edward norton's performance as bruce banner uh which came as no surprise to me because i think he tends to be a tremendous actor in my opinion and uh i don't know the worst part it's tough because it's like this there's not that much that, that that's that bad about it, you know? That being said, I suppose, uh, yeah, I guess more, just more building the relationships between Betty and and Bruce and uh, most particularly Ty Burrell because I feel like he could have been, been put to use more and better. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I definitely would recommend the film. I think it's a solid inclusion into this whole mess of superhero movies. I mean, this is when we start to get, like, some pretty solid movies in terms of year-to-date what we've gotten in the past. So, like, this is definitely a cut above what had been in the past. 
uh and today i'd still say it's solid um positives uh definitely the violence i love violence uh i (laughs) i think they got the action really well here and i think they did a good job of making something like the whole feel violent as opposed to just uh just making some choreographed fight scenes or like making this more about internal hulk thoughts i think they did a really good job of like showcasing the violence that is inherent with the hulk um and uh worst thing yeah i think it's just a lot of the relationships that they've missed out on that really could have been further emphasized in this movie such as betty and bruce or like doc sanson and betty or like doc sanson and bruce or the hulk and bruce Uh, i think there are things that like had they if they were able to have a sequel i really would have loved to see built up more and more for me uh i would recommend this movie to no one's surprise is a solid movie my favorite thing about it is the fight scenes i think the fight scenes are very well done and the they just they the oh my uh, I'm, I'm stumbling they did the character of the hulk justice in this movie he is a very solid character they honestly did nothing to make people go mad about or offend people about so i don't know why people were mad in the first place but I don't know. Either way, solid movie, solid action. I can't really say that I disliked anything because nothing really, like, I don't know, nothing really irked me or bothered me. I guess I could say that the movie was shallow, especially, like, the relationships, like Sean said, but I honestly didn't have a problem with it. It's not like the movie's trying to be something it isn't, and I feel like it wasn't trying to focus too much on the relationships as being like this like three dimensional thing. It was just like this this guy likes this girl, the girl likes this guy, and it was as simple as that. So uh, nothing to really critique about. Movie's not a masterpiece, but it's a good watch. It's a it's short too. I think it's like less than two hours. So there's not really a reason to not watch it. Just watch it. Since some of the characters are coming back, why not? Thank you to Alo Fett, A-L-O-F-E-T-T, for our artwork. Thank you to Jason for our music. Yes, I made the music, and I'm working on music, and it's going to be out. And it'll be on my SoundCloud, The Upsides on SoundCloud. You can follow me on the underscore Upsides PA on Twitter, the Upsides PA on Instagram. Please give Culturally Illiterate a follow on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, and on YouTube. You can give us a follow on socials with the handle at illiterate underscore pod as well. Reach us at culturallyilliteratepod at gmail.com for questions, comments, etc. Next episode is an exciting one. We're going to be covering what many claim to be the GOAT of superhero movies. And as per usual, I will be there with my controversial, many would call them bad opinions, as we talk about The Dark Knight.